telling a little story oh yes whether you said yes or no you were going to get a little story this morning so many of you who have known me for any period of time know that I have a set of twin nephews anybody hear about them before yes and they are 13 I don't know why they're 13 but they are 13 which means they're going to be 30 next year that's how that goes right you're zero you're five then you're 13 and then you're 30 sorry parents that seems to be the way it goes and for their 13th birthday they were granted a mission not granted their parents granted them permission to go on a mission trip with my brother to a nonprofit organization that he oversees in Zambia I know it's not just like let's go to New York City it's like bye kids we love you we pray for you I hope you come back Zambia all right so they have been planning for like nine months for this trip raising support which God blessed every dollar that they needed packing suitcases 10 suitcases all together for their whole team because they wanted to bring supplies and gifts to the orphanage that they're going to be working for planning and getting excited about this amazing trip and they were ready to go on Thursday of last week so let me explain to you how this went they left Rochester New York at 3 a.m. go ahead and say 3 a.m. That is not the Lord's hour, but that's beside the point. 3 a.m. because they had to drive to Toronto, Canada, which is like three to four hours away. That's not so bad. So they get in the car, they drive to Toronto, Canada, my brother, my nephews, and a few others that are on this trip. So they get to Canada, everything is going smoothly. So my sister had these boys ready. My sister's a teacher. Can I hear an amen for teachers? Teachers, they know how to dot their I's and cross their T's. They don't miss a thing. They got checklists within the checklist has a checklist, and then there's a checklist for the checklist with the checklist. So there is nothing that these boys are going to be missing. So there they are, ready to go, all excited about their first international mission trip. And my brother gets to the counter and says, here's my passport. And they take him in, and he says, here's the passport for the boys. And they said, great, where's their negative COVID test? And the room goes, oh. And my brother says, I, I'm sorry, so the website, the, the health department that we spoke with, oh, you know, last week, you know, all the people we needed to check with said there was nothing required, so here we are. And they said, well, they can't get on the plane. And he said, I'm sorry, let me, let's, let's have this conversation one more time. See, we just drove 3 a.m. all the way to Con. Here we are, we checked the website, we talked to the people, we checked with everybody, everybody said, you're fine, just come. And so here we are, and they're 13, it's okay, they can come, right? No, it was like Noah's Ark, right? We are gonna shut the door, and they cannot get on this airplane. So, of course, we go into panic mode, right? My brother starts to text everybody. Pray, big capital letters, pray. So my sister is panicking, like, oh my God. Because teachers, because they're organized, they don't like getting out of order. I, I, I pray for you teachers, right? So it's like, as long as it's in order, we're good. But don't make it go out of order, because I'm going to lose my mind. So it was getting out of order. My sister's like, oh my gosh, I can't. But I'm a pastor, so we're used to people being messy. So I said, okay, I got this, I got this. So I started texting all of my mama friends, because we know that when things get messy, it's the mamas who come in, right? 
Can I hear amen for the mamas? Fathers, you're awesome too, but you got the steady prayers. The mamas get the crisis prayers. So I'm like, ladies, we got to get these boys on that plane. So we're praying, we're praying, and we're like, Jesus, help my brother. My brother is well-traveled, so we're like, he's there in good hands. But meanwhile, the airport's like, we're not helping you. We got nothing for you. Figure it out. So now it is 7, it's 8 o'clock. There is no answer. The boys have to be on the plane, door shut by 9.30. What time do they have to be on the plane? 9.30. All right, so at 8.30, my brother has gone to two clinics with the boys on an Uber in the middle of Toronto, which is a different country in case you didn't know, and closed clinic, closed clinic, because why? Things don't open until after 9 o'clock, so we're getting the text, and they have to be on the plane at what time? 9.30, Noah's Ark, close the door, can't get in. And we are praying. We're like, Lord, I don't know how these, my nephews are texting my sister. And I was like, that's not a good idea. At 8.37, we get a text from my brother, found a clinic. They're doing the test. We'll know in 10 minutes. By 9.05, we get one last text that says, just got to the airport with two negative tests, and we are making our way. And we never heard from them again until they landed in Ethiopia on their way to Zambia. Hallelujah. Would God be glorified. Thank you, Jesus. See, we all have a good Thanksgiving story to tell. Can I hear an amen? Because there's nothing like a good story with all the details to get us all at the edge of our seats and excited and enthralled, full of emotion and anticipation of where is this thing going? But can I tell you that when you know the Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ, every story you have has a Thanksgiving ending because he's in it, he is with you, and he's on the other side of every story. And there is no better story than one that is fueled by gratitude through the highs and the lows, the wins, the losses, through challenges and hardships. Every story that ends with the truth that God was there all along is a story worth of being told because he is always worthy of our thanksgiving. But I wonder how often we rehearse our thanksgiving stories do we only do it at this time of year around the table where you might have turkey or ham or pernil, which is the heavenly food for Thanksgiving? Where's my Puerto Ricans? I got one. Hallelujah. I see you. Mm -hmm. You can come to my house. No, I'm coming to your house. Never mind. Is this the only time when we rehearse our Thanksgiving stories? Or is it possible that we have Thanksgiving stories that can take us into each and every season of our life, reminding us that we have a story of gratitude to share? See, today, the title of my message and my encouragement and challenge to each one of us is to tell your Thanksgiving story. Look at your neighbor and say, it's time to tell your Thanksgiving story. Go ahead and let him know. And I don't mean the story about your traditions over the holiday, but about what really matters the story of hope and joy and peace, the story of transformation, the story that set you free and got you moving into the right direction. See, different seasons have different Thanksgiving stories. But what is in common is our response of gratitude to God in and through each and every one. 
Today, I just want to talk about three types of Thanksgiving stories that I believe sustain us on this journey called life. And how many know life is all a journey, isn't it? With stages and phases and seasons and opportunities and challenges. But there is a Thanksgiving story at every phase and every stage. The text for my title and the foundation of this message is simply found in Psalm chapter 107. And I will start with verse 1 and 2. And it simply says this, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Say this with me. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Hallelujah. How many here would you say, I am redeemed of the Lord. I have been bought back. I have been rescued. I have been set free. I have been restored from what was, and I have a new life in him. If you've been redeemed, you have a thanksgiving story. It goes on to say in a refrain throughout chapter 107 in verse 8, 15, 21, and 31. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Oh, if we told our Thanksgiving story, we would have this refrain all the day long. See, the people, in, this was being written for the people of Israel who had been scattered all over in, in bondage and in persecution and were being brought back to the promises of God in their lives. Aren't you glad that God is bringing us back to his very heart, ultimately to be with him for all eternity? Today, we are invited to tell our Thanksgiving story of redemption. Psalm 104 talks about four categories or four people, groups that are worthy of telling such a story. And maybe you'll find yourself in these stories. The first is that there were some that our weary wanderers, say weary wanderers, these are those that once were lost, but now have been found. How many could say, I was once a weary wanderer. I didn't know up from down, sideways from the other way, but God found me in the midst of it. And he brought me to a fruitful place. It says in verse 9 that he will satisfy those who have been wanderers, who have been thirsty and hungry with good things. Matthew chapter 5 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled and satisfied. Today you have a Thanksgiving story. If you were once lost and now you are found. Secondly, there were some, it says in verse 10, that sat in prisons of darkness some that were captive and now are free. How many would say, I once was a captive, but now I am free? Maybe there's not many, some, who can say, I was actually behind bars. But how many would say that your mind had been chained, your heart had been captive, you're, you're addicted with addictions and habits, but the Lord came in and set you free. Today, if that is your story, you have a Thanksgiving story of redemption today. 
to tell. Can I hear an amen? He breaks down gates of bronze and cuts through bars of iron. This is the Thanksgiving story of the redeemed not only did it redeem those who were wandering, those who were held captive, but it also goes on in verse 17 to say that some were afflicted, suffered with sickness and needed healing. How many today can say, I was once sick, but now I have been made whole? Don Solomon here at Deep Creek, man, we prayed for you. You were once sick and here you are today. I was sharing my story not long ago, a year about now now I was in the hospital with COVID on a breathing tube. Do you know last week I ran a half marathon? I was once sick and now I have been made whole. We all maybe were sick in body, sick in mind, but God has come to redeem and restore those who were once afflicted. Oh, and I love verse 20. He sent out his word and he healed them and he rescued them from the grave. There's no better healing than to know that you have eternal life with Jesus Christ. That when we do pass and it is appointed for all mankind to die, but we will be resurrected to be with our Lord and Savior in that day. The greatest healing of them all for those who are redeemed. Some were wanderers. Some were in prison, some were sick and made whole. And finally, the psalmist rehearses about the people of Israel that have been redeemed. Some were on the stormy seas. I don't know about you, but I've had a stormy sea or two in my life. Amen? Anybody else? can attest to that. But when the Lord redeems, he makes all things right. He calms the stormy seas. Verse 23 and 29 and 30 says, he stilled the storm. The waves were hushed. He got, so it didn't just happen in the New Testament. It happened all along. He guided them to their desired haven. Today I want to say to you, if you are in a storm-tossed season of life, the Lord is able to calm your stormy seas and bring you not just to the shore where the rocks are, but to a calm haven that you are praying into. A haven is a restful place. How many could use a haven right now? Let that be your thanksgiving story of the redeemed. And if you think that your story isn't redeemable today, then I pray that you meet the one who can redeem all things and make all things new. Revelations 2 and 15 says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away, says 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Behold, all things are made new Today, you can have a Thanksgiving story of redemption, and then you can be among those that say, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I'm glad that I figured out what the say so was. It was to tell your story of Thanksgiving. That is the say so. The Lord has been good to me. He has a Thanksgiving story just for you. But that's not the only Thanksgiving story he has. 
oftentimes when we first come to meet our Lord and Savior, God first pulls us from being lost to found, sick to whole, uh, storm-tossed to peace. That story is right on the tip of our tongue, right? I got a story to tell. I got a story to tell. Oh, thank God, thank God, thank God, thank God. But then time begins to pass. And life begins to happen. And it's harder to remember our Thanksgiving story of redemption. But there is a new Thanksgiving story that God wants to birth in each one of us. And it is the Thanksgiving story of faith. The Thanksgiving story of faith. You know, I just ran, uh, I just mentioned I ran a half marathon. Did I mention I ran a half marathon? I ran a half marathon. Hey, guys, I ran a half marathon. See, I thought about not wearing this necklace but wearing my medal, but I thought that might have been a little over the top. So online, if you've ever run anything, go ahead and put a little runny emoji right there in your little chat. And when you're training to run, at the beginning they say, you know, you're training, right? You're training to go fast and you go super fast. And you're like running and you're like, I'm so fast. And you're watching your time and everything is about how fast can you go? And when, when you're getting ready to do your marathon, everybody tells you, don't go super fast at the beginning because you will die. Well, they don't say you will die, but you might not finish. And so you get there. And at the beginning of your race, those first few miles, you're like, I got all the energy in the world. Yes. The crowds are growing crazy. They're cheering for you. You got people everywhere. And you're like, I'm your market set. They don't say that anymore. They just make you waddle out because there's so many people in front of you. And then you run and you've got to taper your story. But at about mile seven, Eight, nine, ten. You are like, who signed me up for this? Who paid for this? And why is someone torturing me? What is happening in my life? And what they say when you're training is that during that time, you're supposed to remember your training. Remember how you used to go super fast. Not that you used to. Remember that you know how to go super fast. Remember that you have been practicing. And when it seems hard, that it's still in you to keep running. That is the Thanksgiving story of faith to sustain you. When life begins to become mundane, the Excitement isn't there, but there is still a Thanksgiving story to tell. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7 says this. Paul says, therefore, therefore usually means there's something you got to do, right? Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith. Go ahead and say the faith. Just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Therefore, just as you received Christ Jesus the Lord. I'm going to ask a question that's not rhetorical. How did we receive Christ Jesus our Lord? Go ahead and shout it out at me. Go ahead and on the feed put it out there. Go ahead. Say, how did we receive Jesus? By faith, by faith through grace. Through faith, by grace. Through faith. It wasn't by our good works. It wasn't by our effort. It wasn't by our striving. It wasn't because we practiced hard enough that we got in. It wasn't because you're cute. It wasn't because you're rich. It wasn't because you knew somebody who knew somebody who knew him. It was all about him and our faith in him that causes us to know Jesus. And so Paul is saying to those in Colossians, hey, listen, I know you had a Thanksgiving story of redemption, but it's starting to get a little tired. 
tiring. It's starting, you're getting a little weary. The community around you is not a community of faith and they're not cheering you on anymore. So you have to remember, just as you met Jesus, continue to run this race in faith. Today there's a state that just as much as there's a Thanksgiving story of redemption, there's a Thanksgiving story that sustains you and makes you unmovable and unshakable, that calls forth abundance of Thanksgiving. Paul says these three things to the church of Colossae. He says, first, to develop your Thanksgiving story of faith, you need to walk in him abounding in thanksgiving. You have to walk in him. This isn't even walk with him. It's walk in him. The image I have, if you've seen this or maybe dads, you've done, see, I'm gonna give dads some credit. The moms prayed, this is what the dads are doing. You've seen those pictures where a little girl is standing on her daddy's feet and dad's dancing. This is how dads dance, apparently. And little girl is like, I'm a great dancer, but she's not doing anything. Why? Because she is standing in him and all the movement is being done by her father and all she has to do is rest and enjoy the ride. As I was looking into what does it mean to be in him, do you know one of the Greek translations for in is a place of rest. Just the word in. In fact, it says that this is not often paired with a verb because in means that you are inside something that is whole, that is making things happen while you're just in it. Today, maybe your Thanksgiving story isn't that you're running a race, but that you are staying steadfast and unmovable where you are because you are walking in him, the one who is making all things possible in your life. 1 John 2 and 6 says, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And you know that Jesus abided in his father. And he said, I will do nothing outside of my father. You and I have that same privilege. Not only is Paul calling the church to walk in Christ, but he's saying be rooted also in him, abounding in thanksgiving. We're not just supposed to walk in him, but we're also supposed to be grounded in him. The word of God says that we can be anchored in Jesus, the hope of our salvation. Oh, when things get squirrely in our lives, don't you know that sometimes we start to want to go to the right or the left and nothing makes sense. And the Lord today says, be rooted in me so you will be unmovable and unshakable and you will see my promises come to pass. This is your thanksgiving story of faith, of sustaining faith. Proverbs 12 and 3 says, no one is established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous will never be moved. If you have been praying, if you have been standing, if you are past that excited place and you are like, now I am in a believing place, can I say you are in a great place that can be abounding in thanksgiving because you know that the one who began it will always complete that which he began. And your attitude simply needs to be, I will be abounding in thanksgiving as I am standing in faith with the one who is able to do immeasurably more than I can ask for or imagine in Christ Jesus. Walk in him, 
He says, be rooted in him. And he says, be built up in him. It's not enough just to stand and wait. But do you know that when we are in him, he continues to grow us up. When we are in him, he continues to make us stronger and more able because he is stronger and more able as we abound in thanksgiving. We are built up in him. He is the cornerstone the rock upon which we stand, our firm foundation says in the word that when the storms come and you build your life on sand, your house, your life will begin to fall apart. But when you build your life upon the rock that is Jesus Christ, when all else comes against you, your home, your life, your heart, your mind will remain steadfast because it has been built up in him the one who cannot be moved, the rock, the cornerstone, Jesus Christ. Psalm 127 and 1 says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Oh, would we be built in him with abundance of thanksgiving. Would our thanksgiving song move from redemption to the song of faith that sustains us along the journey? Well, like I said, life is a journey, right? There's a race we are running. There are some of you, though, as you're hearing my voice and you're saying, a Thanksgiving story of what? I just, I just don't have it in me. This has been hard. It's hard to be grateful right now. It's hard to find something to be thankful for because... Because sometimes there are seasons where the story, Thanksgiving story of redemption and faith are hard to grasp because it's a hard season. Perhaps this is a season of loss for you. Our church just lost one of our drummers, Lorenzo Airline, to a tragic car accident. Perhaps during this season, it's hard for his family and our church family to find that story of thanksgiving. For those at UVA who senselessly lost three beautiful boys, perhaps it's hard to find a story of thanksgiving. There are stories all over this room that I know make it challenging during Thanksgiving and Christmas to find a story of gratitude. But I hear Jesus say that I'm going to loan you mine. I hear Jesus say I'm going to give you my story to tell. And it's the Thanksgiving story of the cross. It's the Thanksgiving story of the cross. In a moment, we're going to receive the Lord's Supper, and whenever the communion servers are ready to come on out, they are free to come. See, it's during times of pain and loss and grief that we find it most challenging to tell our Thanksgiving stories. But aren't you grateful for a Savior that walked where you walked? who knows your grief and has carried your sorrow, says Isaiah 53. 
Aren't you glad that Hebrews 12 says that it's for the joy set before him. He endured a cross so that you and I would have a Thanksgiving story. See, in my tradition, we use the word, the Lord's Supper. I grew up Pentecostal, hallelujah. We use the words Lord's Supper or communion to talk about. Do this in remembrance of me. But I now have a new favorite word, and it's the word Eucharist. You might say, well, why? It's just a word. Actually, no. Eucharist comes from a Greek word, eucharisteo, that means to give thanks, or the word thanksgiving. As you know, the word of God says that Jesus on the day is betrayed, and you're going to hear these words in just a moment. Knowing he was going to endure the cross, knowing he was going to be betrayed, knowing the suffering he was going to walk into, it says that he gave thanks. He gave thanks. Not only do I love the word Eucharisteo, which you can see, that means thanksgiving. There are two other Greek words tucked in to this word. One of the word is charis, which means grace. And the other word is kara, which means joy. And this is how I see it. This is how I hear it. There's Jesus in a place of suffering. Maybe it's you in a place of suffering. And he goes before the Father and he says, I'm about to be broken or I am broken, but I give you thanks. And in this place of thanks, I receive in its stead of pain, grace to endure and come out the other end and a joy that's unspeakable and full of glory that can only come from relationship with you. Today, Jesus says to those who are hurting and broken, there's a Thanksgiving story for you today. Yes, it's a story of redemption. Yes, it's a story of faith, but it's also the story of the Eucharist of thanksgiving with grace and joy that can only be found in a savior who walked in your shoes, who knows your grief and carries your sorrow. And he says, you can have my thanksgiving story. Here's the beauty of the cross. It didn't stop there. We know that the joy set before him was eternal relationship with you and I. When we walk through seasons of the cross, we are assured that on the other side, Jesus is waiting. Eternity still is ours. And he has grace and joy for us in that space. In a moment, you're gonna receive the Eucharist Pastor Dana and Pastor Melvin, you can make yourself ready. As you come in and come up at the invitation of your pastor, online as you gather your elements, would you consider your Thanksgiving story of redemption? Would you rehearse it and remember it? I once was lost, now I'm found. I was blind and now I see. Maybe you will ponder your Thanksgiving story of faith 
I will rest in the one who is walking this out. In me, through me, for his glory, with abundant thanksgiving. And today as you come forth, would you partake in the redemption and the thanksgiving story of the cross? Would grace and joy be released to you as you come with a heart of thanksgiving? Can I pray for you as the pastors make their way here? Father, I just thank you for everyone in the hearing of my voice. I thank you that we have all been given the opportunity to have a Thanksgiving story. It begins, it's in the middle, and it ends with you. For each one today who is unsure of their Thanksgiving story, would they give their lives to you entirely? that they would abound in thanksgiving, receive grace and joy, and be among those that would say, I am one of the redeemed and I have a story to tell. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, I hope that you enjoyed our sermon today. I hope that you were inspired and challenged. And maybe you have a question about something that you heard in the message today, or maybe you need prayer. We would love to take the time to pray with you and answer any questions that you might have. All you need to do is simply send us an email to online at newlife.global and we would love to connect with you. Well, be sure to subscribe to our channel. You should see the link right over here somewhere and turn those notifications on. That way you are notified every single time we go live on YouTube. Well, God bless you. Have a wonderful week and we'll see you on the next video. Take care.